0: Welcome back to the Daily Thunder podcast. I'm your host Ryan Woods. Here tonight, special guest, the co-editor of Welcome to Loud City, JD. How are you, brother?
1: Fine, thank you, mate. Very. I'm quite happy tonight, I have to say. It's about two in the morning here, and watching the Thunder beat Brooklyn pretty comprehensively was just perfect.
0: How about it? So. Let's get, I want to get your take on something right off the bat. We're seeing a kind of a split in, uh, in thunder fandom right now over, do we want them to win? Are we enjoying the wins? Are we looking ahead to this draft pick and maybe the the players that could come from those? So take us through your, your thoughts as you watch the thunder rattle off now four out of five.
1: I think the big thing for me is that I've also been kind of thinking about that a fair bit because the common logic suggests to suggest that tanking is the best way to get a young guy in who could be a star mm. because you control your own pick and obviously you control your own odds of getting it. But I think there's a big difference between what the, what the position that the Thunder the Thunder are in or say someone like Philly from t- in 2014. They had no stars whatsoever. They had nobody to build around. They needed a tank to get those assets in through the door. Mm-hmm. The Thunder have Shea, Bays, Dort. They've got three young players in theory that you could build a rotation around. So, But I'd like to see the Thunder go out and contend and try their hardest to make the playoffs. And then say it comes around to 2021, you've got assets to trade up. If you look at the draft picks that the Presti acquired, you look at the Clippers picks and the Rockets picks, that is more than enough to move up into the top five and get someone like Cade or uh, Jalen Suggs or somebody like that. It's
0: an interesting way to think about team... Team building. No one has ever accumulated the amount of picks that Oklahoma City has right now. Their ability to move up, like you're saying, it's going to be there. It probably isn't going to take a Paul George-like haul of picks to um, to move up into the territory that they want to move up to. If they like a, if there's a prospect that they just can't live without, I, I'm with you. It's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting look at the team right now because this is we early in the year. They're, they've been on the road. These are teams that you would, you would expect them to lose to. And they just punked the Nets tonight at home. With Durant on the floor, um, everybody on their, in their main rotation was there, obviously, except for Dinwoody, who's hurt, and Kyrie. Um, but what did you see from Shea tonight?
1: I think, obviously, on offense, he had a brilliant night in terms of getting into the center floor and getting into the lane and getting his looks where he likes them. But well, I thought the big thing was his defense. I thought mm. that he was very active in terms of getting deflections. And I thought he did a really good on job on Jeff Green. He took Jeff Green out of the game. And we know that Jeff Green is capable of going off for 16, 18 points tonight. The Nets only really had one option who was a consistent scorer throughout the game, and that was Kevin Durant. Yeah, I think that Shea's defense was big. It was huge. Almost as good as his scoring, I would say.
0: Yeah, he, the, the box score... He's got him at two steals, but he really did affect that into the floor a lot more than than just those two steals. Like you're saying, uh, what he did on Jeff Green, his help on Durant, his help on Torian Prince as well. He, Torian had a couple good moments and then Shea, Shea put his stamp on that end. There's a lot of Thunder fans that are going to be stoked with this win specifically because beating Kevin Durant is never a bad thing in Thunderland right now. So Durant finished with 31 uh hes still got his, but they made it tough on him specifically Baisley i thought did did a nice job on Durant for most of the game he He's still gonna get his points, but uh Baisley made it tough uh on on quite a few of those shots, including a a successful challenge by coach Dagnall to uh erase what would have been a three shot foul on some really, really nice defense from Baisley showing his length.
1: I think with. The- Kevin Durant is such an effortless scorer. His combination of length and his movement and his ability to explode, he's just such a brilliant scorer that it's hard to stop him. But I think that Baisley did a really good job in constantly having a hand up Mm -hmm. and putting pressure on KD to take difficult shots. I think there was a possession in the first half which really caught my eye, which was that he forced KD to catch it in the mid-post about 18, 19 feet away from the rim. It's not an easy look to drain, but he's not allowing KD to get inside and get those looks that he wants or that are the most efficient. I think that Baisley just played the odds and did the best that he could. When KD's in that sort of mood, there's not much you can do to slow him
0: down. Totally, totally. And yeah, I was I was impressed with Baisley's footwork. I, I feel like that's something on the defensive end that he's really improved is his footwork, um, staying with staying with guys that are... Uh, a little bigger and a little smaller. He's really done a good job being a versatile defender guarding threes and fours um, Dort had a, had a slow start on the offensive end, but when he came alive, it really sparked this team in the third quarter leading to a 37 to 18 third quarter for the thunder that really, that was the, the quarter that really catapulted them to this win. What did you see in the third quarter? I think the, third,
1: the in the third quarter, the big thing for me was the team just played hard on defence. Mm. If you look at it, they forced a lot of errors from Brooklyn. Brooklyn were not able to get into a, really any sort of offensive rhythm. Yeah. Could, like they were misplacing passes or they were turning the ball over. And obviously, I think a lot of that does come from Lou because Lou's energy on that end of the floor and he's become a, very much a leader when it, on the perimeter mm. in terms of taking on difficult assignments. And he's been very good and just... Stopping people and slowing people down. Like I don't think Karis Lavert had that great of a night tonight, despite what his numbers say. Yeah, I think he did really struggle against Luke, and he's one of their big scoring options. So, they, did really well.
0: The Nets finished with 17 turnovers, and we've been talking about it on on the podcast throughout the year. Is when the bench plays well in in terms of in terms of this is from a tanking perspective, but when this team is at it's best. It's going to be when the second unit uh, plays well, the second unit coming into the season felt like the unit that was going to um, give up leads or allow a deficit to uh, become so large. The starters couldn't uh, really do anything with it late in the fourth, but they, they have turned in three straight really solid performances. Again, the, the uh, highest plus minuses, of the night came from Oklahoma city's bench. Kendrick Williams finished with a, uh, was a plus 16 Poku plus 16 Maladon, which was Maladon was a game high plus 18 Diallo plus 17. When, when the bench plays like this, Oklahoma city is going to be competitive in just about every single game because we've seen the starters. They're such a competent group and they're, they're building such a chemistry together um, that, is going to just, it's going to lead to close games in, in the fourth. And we've seen Shea and Dort be such, uh, incredible, uh, crunch time players, uh, in the last couple of years, let's go to Hamdou Diallo. This is his second straight game with, um, at least 20 points, both coming in, in his home hometown of New York city. He finished with 25 points. On just 14 shots, did you ever see this type of scoring and this type of efficiency from Diallo?
1: I have to be totally honest. I never thought it would happen with Harmy. I'm with you. The thing was, he always had this athleticism and his ability just to get to the room was always there. But then he would make silly decisions. So he would either drive too quickly and then he wouldn't be in a good position to finish or he'd settle for bad three-pointers or bad mid-rangers those are still in his game. He's not totally erased them, but Mm -hmm. his decision-making has got a lot better. Like he's controlling his burst a lot more. He's getting to the rim at will at times. And because he's focusing on scoring in the interior, he's he's become more more effective as a scorer over the last couple of games. I do think some of it is that he's got a bit of a bump from simply just playing in New York. Mm. I think perhaps it does, does something to him mentally that he feels at peace or comfortable because I don't see him carrying on this sort of form for much longer.
0: If, but, if so, we're talking about a six-man-of-the-year candidate.
1: Uh, if that happens, I will be incredibly surprised.
0: Because <laughs> totally.
1: It's such a leap to think what, where Harmy was last year as a guy who was a sort of seventh, eighth man on the bench. who couldn't really be trusted in big games because he had this tendency to not create anything on offense and he had a tendency to make bad fouls on defense. Yeah. Like, he's kind of cut that shit out of his game. He's playing oh, yeah. with a lot more discipline, and it's great to see.
0: Honestly, to your point, I, I didn't even know if he'd be on the team this year. His his year last year ended in such a way I, I thought it was up in the air whether we'd even see him. So for him to be having this start to the year, I mean, good on him because he's, um, he's certainly put in a ton of work to, like you're saying, not only get better in certain areas, but take away certain areas from his game that were holding him back from being a better player.
1: That's the thing with Hop is that he always had these skills in his locker and he always had he always showed, he had certain flashes where he would show something special. Yeah. And then he'd have a couple of moments where it's a bit kind of a bit confusing. You don't really know why he's doing what he's doing. If he can just build on this skill set, and I personally one thing I'd like to see is him become more of a role man in the pick and roll. So if you can run, say, a Shea Harmy pick and roll, because he's so athletic, yeah, you give him a short roll to the rim, he'll finish that nine times out of ten. And then you give him another passing option, and then you can turn him into a bit more of a playmaker as well. Yeah, I think there is a role for him on the Thunder as say a, a sixth, seventh man off the bench, who's just a reliable reserve.
0: We've got a we've got a comment here. This is from Gene Pet, uh, Pindak. Hope I'm saying that correctly, Gene. Quick comment: will will be the sixth seed again this year so first of all we were the five seed last year so if we're predicting last year a five or six seed that is some lofty goals right there jd i
1: mean i love the optimism it's it's,
0: that is that is some optimism if i've ever heard it that's some kool-aid drinking right there i mean
1: in the last few days i have kind of thought that the thunder could be a potential playing team because if you look at a team let's say like new orleans or san antonio or the kings I wouldn't necessarily say they're all that much better than the Thunder as it currently stands. Maybe San Antonio, you can make the argument from a culture perspective that they've got Popovich and you know, Vets and they know what to do. But the Thunder could very well find themselves into, say, a nine or 10th seed, I think, if they continue on as it is. Yeah, I don't know if that's such a bad thing. I think that if you get another season where you're contending and you're playing meaningful basketball, it's such a benefit to the young guys because they know they're developing in games that really have something, have meaning to it and there's pressure applied to it. They're not just developing in a situation where there's no pressure. And when it actually comes down to the time when they have to learn how to deliver, it's not such a big adap- adaptation
0: process. JD, I think there is so much validity, validity to what you just said. And, if, and it may be the best non-tanking argument that you can possibly make. I'm going to take the other side still and say, I think this team is best served at the bottom of the West, mainly because in the East, there there are going to be more teams to contend with for those top picks in the East and in the West. But adding a guy like, like Suggs or Mobley to this team, I think is the best way to go forward. But I hear you taking these young guys into another high stakes situation at the end of the year playing for more than just a top pick playing for um, you know a seed in the playoffs or a spot in that play in that play in round it certainly would benefit them there's no doubt about that win or lose whether they get in or not th- those are helpful minutes those are places where you learn a lot and build but um i got to say i'm on the other side of that fence
1: i think the- I think if you look at maybe a team like Indiana as an example, as a team that's never really tanked, that they've managed to remain a consistent culture throughout. They've always been a consistent team. But the thing with Indiana is that they've got trapped into this sort of uh, five, six six downwards sort of uh, bracket because they don't have the assets to improve the roster. With the Thunder, that's not really an issue because say you get... George Hill will be worth a first-round pick at some point. No question. I think he will be. And I think Al Horford, if he continues to... If he puts up, say, 15 points a night, six rebounds and three assists, which is entirely possible for him, he'll be a first-round pick at the end of the year as well. So that's two additional picks that you're adding to the Arsenal that's already there. The Thunder will have ways to improve the roster without necessarily tanking. They can have their cake and eat it, I think. It's definitely possible.
0: Yeah, you're you're on the money with that. Like they, they are in such a unique position, really an unprecedented position on how to rebuild a team with a stockpile of assets in, in the way of, of uh, future picks that we just haven't seen. So it is very tough. Like the, the playbook on uh, let's say a Philly or like you're saying like a middle of the road team, like Indiana, that's trying to move its way out of that that middle ground without those assets they've been able to improve themselves even without those assets. So what Oklahoma city has at their disposal, it's specifically Presti is unprecedented. And it's going to be very interesting to see what he decides to do because of all of the different avenues he can go down his piece in the Oklahoma last year, last summer, talking about replenishing, uh, the franchise and getting, uh, getting this team kind of where they need to go. It really Felt like they were signaling to a full-on tank season, maybe more than one, but who's to say, you know, this team could go exactly the way you're saying, stay competitive, uh, keep this, you know, build the culture from within as a, as a competitive team, as a team that, that looks to get into that play in, or even above um, if they can uh, with these young guys improving and use those picks to trade for, uh, trade up or trade for the players that they want. So, um, JD, that's a it's a great point, and I'm interested to see what happens. What happens next? I want to end talking about Shea. Did you see him stare down Durant after he uh, he drove the lane and uh, dropped a pass off to I think it was Roby for a dunk. Did you see that? Did you see that little stare, that little scream he gave Durant at, as he headed back down the floor? I
1: mean, I saw it, and I think that he was just in that first quarter. He was just in his back Oh, having yeah. a good time, yeah. Because he was, he was pulling off these moves he did that up and under on Durant, yeah. And he just cooked KD. <laughs> he was his hard and Not many people do this, but he was having his way with Durant at times, yeah. and you could clearly see that he was just enjoying the challenge and enjoying the moment.
0: It's very exciting to see from a young guy like Shea that he's he's figuring out that there isn't anybody really in the league that he can't that he can't go to battle with. Uh, or battle against, I should say. And Durant, I mean, I would I would say Durant is a top three player in the league. And what he was able to do tonight, going toe-to-toe with Durant and then pulling pulling this game out in Brooklyn, I think it's got to do worlds for Shea's confidence going forward.
1: I think his confidence is clearly up because he didn't start the season particularly well, I thought. I thought that he did seem to struggle with the whole point guard. Or should I shoot it? Should I pass it? But in the yeah. last two games... He's become a lot more aggressive in driving and getting his shot. And that's the best way for him to create is that when he's driving inside and collapsing defenses, he's creating looks for Lou or George Hill or even Al Horford on the perimeter because yeah. he's got this brilliant skill of driving it and whipping a pass sort of behind him. And Horford's sitting there on the break and he can just get an open look. And it's a great look that Shea's created by his willingness to drive and get inside.
0: He yeah, has exactly. to like that. You're exactly right. And one of my favorite things of the night was he was he finished one point short of a new career high. His career high is 32. He finished with 31. What I was so encouraged by was late in the game, the game was essentially out of reach, but he was not out there chucking shots looking for that career high. He kept getting into the lane, like you're saying, and finding guys for the best shot possible. And sometimes that was a pull up in the lane for himself. But his... His, unselfine- his, his unselfishness in the moment um, stood out to me, especially for a young guy who's still establishing himself in the league. That spoke volumes that he was still he was still out there looking for others instead of himself.
1: It's, his unselfishness is the one thing which is kind of a double-edged sword in a sense. And the fact that he makes the right decision on offense 90% of the time. But there are times where you do want him to kind of step up and start taking more shots and carry the load. I personally love how he plays the game. I think that unselfishness is the key to good team basketball. And I think that if you look at, say, the great teams of the the great teams of the past, of the last three, four years, you look at that, uh, the Lakers team, LeBron was setting the point guard, setting everybody up. You look at that uh, Golden State team. You know, you had Durant, uh, Curry and Thompson all whipping it around, moving the ball to each other. He's such a unique piece to have in how unselfish he plays and how he can play, you know, up a position, down a position and score really well. I generally think that he could be like a complete shooting god. Yeah. Like someone, I don't want to say this because it's such a high praise, but say it. in... If he can get his shots himself, he's like a Dwayne Wade type character because he's got the size, he's six six, he scores from all three levels, he can playmate, he can defend at a high level. That is what a complete shooting god is. Well, it is to me. Yeah. And I think that he could be that sort of player.
0: I've always I've always looked at him kind of in the way that Utah uses Donovan Mitchell in that he is a playmaker and he does set the table for others, but he is such a gifted scorer and he's And he's developing that even just in this short uh, stint to start the year. We're seeing more of that. Like you're saying, he's just in his bag in some of these games. And I think that scoring number is going to climb and climb. He came into this game averaging 19. I think that number is going to rise as the year goes on. I think we're going to see him by the end of the year averaging 23, 24 points per game. Um, with his, with his improved shot, but more, more than that, his, his improved feel for the game and learning that he's, he's borderline unstoppable against most guards because most guards, most guys that he sees guarding him are going to be smaller than him. And he's, his quickness gets by them, by them. And also his size helps him shoot over them. It's a, it's a deadly combination for Shea. I'm excited to see what he does the rest of the year.
1: The big thing for me is not, his obviously his size and his speed, but it's his footwork. Mm-hmm. So he's got this really offbeat way of moving where he's constantly mixing up pace and his strides, like he'll take a long step and a short step. His ability to create space on a dime is so impressive.
0: That's a great point.
1: And like, he's, because he's so different in that aspect, he's a harder task for someone to guard because they're not used to playing someone like him. The majority of guards you'll play against, yeah, they have footwork and they have handles and stuff, but you can kind of work out what they're going to do because the NBA is a copycat league. Shea is relatively unique compared to other shooting guards or yeah. other comparable shooting guards.
0: And and the fact that they have him as the lead ball handler this year is, such a, is going to be such an advantage, even if they end up drafting or moving into a different lead guard. For him to develop these skills now is going to be such an asset moving forward for Shea and for the team. So looking ahead, we've got San Antonio Tuesday night at home and then right back at it, Wednesday night at home against the Los Angeles Lakers, the defending champs coming to the peak. Um, JD, this was, this was great. Where can we find your work?
1: So you can find my work on welcome to the loud city predominantly. And then I've had a few pieces here and there drop on daily thunder mostly about sort of NBA finance and the thunder and all that kind of stuff.
0: Absolutely. JD's JD's done some really awesome work for, for us on daily thunder. And if you're, if you're a thunder fan and you're not keeping up with welcome to loud city, you're doing it wrong. Um, JD, thank you so much for joining us. It was, uh, it was a pleasure, man.
1: Cheers. Thank you, mate.